Well, hello, G2. It is great to be with you today. Um, I'm joined by a special guest who some of you will know and some of you will not. So, special guest, would you like to introduce yourself to the G2 fam? Hi, G2. I'm Miriam Swanson, formerly Swaffield. The art- artist formerly known as Swaffield is actually wow. the official title. And uh, I'm calling from Jacksonville, Florida in the USA, but um, I did university and then a whole nother bunch of years in York. So, you guys kind of feel like my home church in many ways. Yeah, we it definitely there is definitely like a Miriam. You know, there's a missing Miriam in GTA. I think still. Well, don't say that because if this who's thinking of joining the church who also has my Old Testament name, just so you know, other Miriam, you're so welcome. Yeah. You're so welcome. Well, you you can fill that Miriam gap. There, yeah. Be it. Be exactly. the Miriam gap. Exactly. So you you came. You're now in Florida. You were at GT. Mm-hmm. Anything more about that story? What did you study at York? What's your favourite memory of York? Maybe that'd be cool to hear. Oh, the mighty York. Um, I studied, actually, I was the first year uh, to do the undergraduate course of uh, writing, directing and performance. So the theatre, film, television department was built whilst I was at university. So we were actually meeting in like squash courts, ex-squash courts in our first year of uni, and then uh, got that facility that you'll now see uh, in Hessington. And it's very fancy. So that was very fancy for us. But um, later on in uni so did that for three years and then um, stayed six years on um, lived right near the city centre and just was helping lead G2 particularly focused on the students for a while um, and worked for Fusion who some of you will know G2's got strong links to a charity called Fusion who helped churches reach students which is why that's very much in G2's DNA and kind of always has been so I worked for Fusion as well as serving at G2. Um, Favourite York memories too many what a brilliant city what a brilliant city to live and work and uh, be a student in um yeah no I just love it I mean I th- things that I missed I, I moved from York to a town called Middlesbrough which is about an hour from York north and then towards the coast and one of the big things I realized I missed that in York we could walk around at like <laughs> one in the morning in those beautiful streets yeah and um it kind of almost felt magical uh, whereas in Middlesbrough, everything shut down with bars on the windows by like five. So I, I missed being able to do your sort of your late night ambles home. Yeah. Uh, that was dangerous where I moved to next as it happened. But uh, So yeah, York feels like a little bit magic. That's cool. And York to Middlesbrough, like I'm sure you've been asked this question loads and I know we've talked about it before, isn't the most traditional career move, is it? But like <laughs> some of the heart behind that move and kind of like, what do you think? you sort of learned through that move because it was a year you had in the borough or was it two years in the end? Two, two years, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that is the opposite of a career move. But uh, if you're not a career person, then it yeah. kind of works. Okay. It's good, isn't it? It is refreshing to hear someone like in their 20s doing that. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's such For a sure. challenge in that, I think. Like, Yeah, I, it, it actually, to be honest, it actually felt like social and in some ways kind of connection suicide. Not because uh, Middlesbrough is horrible or anything, but because it is out on the elbow of the country. So the train, um, the trains are very sparse. It, um, transport has not been invested in in some of our kind of poorer communities. And so I actually was disconnecting myself from a lot of contacts, a lot of friends, a lot of my work, travel being easy, uh, and uh, a whole social group because... Um, yeah, I moved to Middlesbrough when I was about 28 years old and um, single, moved in to a little terrace house on my own uh, in a neighbourhood that I prayer walked and just felt like that was home for me for some reason. Um, I moved to Middlesbrough because I had a gut conviction that um, 
love your neighbour meant more than your middle class neighbour who I lived next door to on a lovely street in York. I felt like Jesus' invitation to me personally was um, there is there is so much more for you to learn about where I am and how my kingdom works, but you're going to have to go to the margins to find it because that's actually, uh, he's got, he's, although everyone's God's favourite, he's got a particular heart for those that have been downtrodden in this life. And so uh, Middlesbrough has been overlooked and uh, has generational unemployment since a lot of the factories closed. And so as a town, a lot of the heart has been ripped out of it. And so their big thing is the football team, which is still doing pretty well, and the university, which is new and has a lot of local students from the northeast that come to Teesside Uni. So I moved out of this gut conviction that Jesus was inviting me to work out how to love my neighbour when my neighbour is Muslim, when my neighbour is from a different nation or doesn't speak English, and that he would be enough for me, even as a single 28-year-old, even when it felt like I was moving away from friends, away from contacts, away from career. Um, and it changed my life. Uh, no question. It changed my life. If it wasn't that I, if, if it wasn't that it was right to move simply to do with marrying Ben, which is why I'm in America. Um, I had no desire to leave Middlesbrough. I, I absolutely fell in love with the place and particularly the people. Yeah. That's so good. Um, I, I could listen to you just talk about the Middlesbrough journey, like, like all day, genuinely. Oh, I could talk about it all day. <laughs> I think particularly for, um, a city like York, where it is a transient city and a lot of people come here and study and we might be here for three or four years and move along. There's something challenging in not just defaulting as I'm going to London, but thinking, okay, where is it that, have you invited God into that conversation? Have you thought I could right. go here, I could go there? Um, so the fact that you've you know, been there, done that and got the t-shirt, quite literally. Um, up the board. Up the board, indeed. Um, and obviously you mentioned you're in America now and kind of that journey of marrying bed, moving to the States. Um, how long have you been in America? What, what, what has life been like in America? Because imagine it's a different experience and kind of learning curve than it has been being in, in Borough and in New York before that. Oh my gosh. It's been kind of more of a culture shock moving to the States than it was moving to an estate. Like I found Middlesbrough way more uh, life-giving in terms of sharing Jesus and making genuine friendships with people not like me. Um, America is a wild place and 2020 is a wild year to experience a country that is essentially, um, God bless them, it's essentially a teenager because, they're, 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 you know, when I, I really now realise what it means to be in a country with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of history, whereas um, this is such recent history we're dealing with here, America is still trying to work out who it is, how to find its voice, um, how to lead, how to govern. And then you put in a human pandemic, then you put in a racism pandemic, then you put in a, an election year, and it does feel like a baptism of fire. Um, and there's wonderful, wonderful things, uh, like same principle that I did in Middlesbrough. I consistently door knocked and introduced myself to my neighbours when we moved in. Yeah. Um, well, I will have been here nearly a year in September, but Ben and I got married in, uh, at the end of November. So we only moved in together uh, after we came off honeymoon, so like start December. And I door knocked to meet the neighbours and introduce myself. And that isn't done on this street either. The same way it wasn't particularly done on my street at home in Middlesbrough either. Got to know people's names, invited people around. Some people said yes, exchanged Christmas cards. Some people sent some back. But that set us up for Love Your Neighbour becoming the only thing you could do when COVID hit and lockdown started. And so I'm so thankful that we that we beat the pandemic in terms of caring who we live next door to. Yeah because then it became necessary, um, particularly some of the elderly members and people living on their own. Then we had, they had to know that we were there for them. We ha- they have our numbers. If you need something and you can't go out, we're here, you know. So 
Love Your Neighbour still works anywhere in the world, but um, um, the, the Christian culture, that whole strangeness of um, American being a Christian nation, that's still more considered true in the South than I'm in Florida, so in the South. And so that's a very strange mixture of what does it mean to share Jesus with people that may have been brought up, um, being told how to pray, going to church, but probably wouldn't use the same language around actually having met Jesus and choosing to follow him and give up their lives for him and give away their things for him and discover life in the sacrifice. You know, I haven't seen so much of that, but lots of people kind of know about him. So interesting situation to, to move into. Yeah, it is interesting. It's like he's almost like a celebrity they've read about, but no one knows him personally sort of thing. Right, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. that guy. Yeah, no, good guy. Good, good guy, guy from what I've seen. Good, good yeah. yeah, yeah. Good moral <laughs> or something or nice beard or, yeah, yeah. His people, uh, not so much. <laughs> but, so, like, obviously there's a challenge specific for you, like, in the States, mm. um, into that culture, in, like, sharing Jesus and doing that sort of stuff. But do you think there's kind of, kind of a universal challenge that you see for people in sharing Jesus today? Or, like, obviously in the middle of a pandemic and all that stuff, but what are kind of some of the things that you think hold people back that are a challenge, particularly in the current context that we're in? And that is a big old question, so go wherever you like with that one. Well, I think the challenge that we're facing is, you know, if, you're, if you're watching this as a person who um, follows Jesus and is, you know, growing to become more like him, um, I think in, in, this, in, in such a year of pain and grief and human crisis and the kind of stretch of being alive on this planet, people have really felt that stretch of how to make this thing work. Um, as Christians, I think we do need to remember how comfortable Jesus was and is with sitting with people in their pain, in the silence of not really knowing what to say, of it being okay not to have a right, neat, simple answer to take your pain away. That actually isn't the way of the gospel, actually. Um, Jesus did weep and grieve and suffer and die and, yes, rise again, and yet still take people on a journey of dying to self. And and I just recognise that as Christians, we need to be okay with mystery and pain in this season because if we don't... If we're not okay with grief and lament, you actually miss a big part of God's heart with and in humanity, but you also become irrelevant to a grieving world who um, there's lots of reasons to be afraid. Once again, as with many crises situations, those that were already the most downtrodden have been downtrodden further in this pandemic. Um, those with unstable jobs are the ones most likely to be unemployed. Those that already were struggling to get um, their finances together to even kind of move into a neighborhood where they can have a little bit more space. They have been more likely to contract COVID. So like Christians being okay with the pain of the world will be as just as much a testament that God is good news because God is still with us than the good news of saying God heals, which he does not always in the way that you want him to all the time at the drop of a hat or no Jesus eternal life. Yes. Also wants to transform your current life, even in the middle of the storm. And so being a good news people might mean that we are comfortable with people's pain and anguish and mystery. We're the best listeners and we sit alongside the suffering as well as working out how do we join in with God's work of um, bringing the world back to himself in all of the goodness that that means. So it's a challenge because if you want to be a Christian of right answers and quick conversations and just seeing people, I don't know, pray the prayer to give their life to Jesus, actually giving your life to Jesus it is one quick and it involves a lot of processing. Then God, why did this happen to me this year? Why did, why, you know, 
uh, even with I'm just thinking about the UK exam results you just got mm. teenagers that are like what has happened to my year and my work and my education now that's the real question to wrestle with with Christ and it's not a quick fix from a Christian that's going to do it and that's totally okay so are we up for being on that kind of longer journey with people it's good yeah it's I think you're 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 bang on and I think like you said like we've only scratched the surface there of things that have been an issue and a challenge and there's stuff like obviously you mentioned before in, in the states a racism pandemic and like definitely right. in the UK like we've seen so much of yeah the kind of almost like grief and guilt and like sort of oh my word I didn't know that you were going through this or this was as bad for you as I you know as mm-hmm. I thought it was and that's been that kind of introspection for us as Christians yeah how do we minister from that place and speak Jesus um, over people and with people and share that life with him. And to be honest, receive the grace of Jesus because we're all in the same boat. Everyone's had a waking up, even if you've been doing the reading for years. And so to recognize the Christians are no further along in some ways. And rather than trying to pretend that we are better, let's just lie down in humility and say together we're going to learn. And somehow I think God's grace is enough for me as I go on that journey. Yeah. We've have to have a lot of humility right now because we have not led the way in being anti-racist in the ways that I think the kingdom of God is deeply anti-racist. So there's a lot for us to learn too. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Um, just building off the back of that uh, and your heart around like sharing Jesus and, and that, have you got any stories from, from the States or maybe uh, from your work with Fusion from, from the kind of shooting mission field of this kind of last season of what some of that stuff has looked like and um, how that's gone in, in, in your experience? I mean, I felt deeply encouraged to be able to keep in, such close contact with Europe and what's happening in the UK because it's given me a fresh appreciation for um, the unity and the way the spirit of God is currently moving in the United Kingdom. And so for those of you who are there, just to don't granted where you are and the space and history that you're in, because the UK church is going through quite, quite a remarkable move of of the spirit in terms of unity in terms of actually loving your neighbours and realising the church is there to serve, not just to gather. Um, so, you know, I've been really, really encouraged. Like I've got friends in Preston who've turned their church into a food bank with the supermarket trolleys and shelves and put toilet roll all over the altar. You know, I've got, um, there's stories of like little rural churches deciding how about we club together and we don't keep four buildings but we share one because what on earth were we doing paying four lots of rent in the village which is just again a really smart unifying move I had a friend tell me that um in the Iranian community both in the UK but also abroad spirit of God like Jesus is really moving amongst the Iranian people which also just heads up if you know anyone that's a refugee in York or um, there are things in York where there there are kind of refugee action programs and things in York but Honestly, a displaced people, um, you really, they really need friends. So uh, if you can make friends with people not like you, that would be a really great way to do it. But um, there was this story about the Iranian church when they were in lockdown and couldn't go into hospitals. Um, they started challenging one another to make phone calls instead. And so there was this story of um, a guy getting rung by a Christian friend. He's in Iran with COVID, actually not doing well at all obviously in hospital, gets a phone call where his friend just goes, look, I've met Jesus. I believe he heals today. Can I pray for you in your hospital bed? I know that I'm just on the phone, but can I pray for you? Prayers for this guy to be healed and made well. This guy, having been on a ventilator and stuff, literally gets up out of bed, like having not been able to walk, being too weak, and just sort of declares like, my friend just rang me, prayed for me in the name of Jesus. I'm here. Uh, 
I'm healed. The doctors can't believe it. And then, of course, everyone else is like, well, then let me know about this Jesus who can, uh, who can heal over a phone call. And that really challenged me because I thought, oh, we've all got a phone. Yeah. Like, oh, right. Like, I wonder how, what does that look like for each of us to, to share Jesus through a text, through kind of praying and asking God, if, if I could say something that would be your heart for my friend, what would you say, Lord? Okay, well, maybe I'll actually ring them and say that or text them that picture or that idea. And so I've been really encouraged by some of those, you know, the big stories, like we turned our church to a food bank and the little stories of I picked up the phone and prayed for healing um, because I just, if I can't get there, Jesus is still there. Um, so I think we're going to have to innovate in things like that. And, um, and again, I think, I think love your neighbor. I think you are still in a really good time where it's even less awkward to knock on the door and be like, Hey, I'm just aware all of society has had a really tough year. And I just wanted to make sure that, um, we knew each other's name. And if you ever wanted a chat, we can sit in the garden or go for a dog walk or whatever your thing is. But I just wanted to say, actually people need to, people need people. So hi, I live next door to you, or I work on the neighbouring desk, or I see you every day when I pop, pop in to get the milk from this place, or we've been in lectures for ages, but, you know. So I, I would push through the awkward and I'd walk across the room, I'd say something. Now is a really good time to um, be a good friend. Um, that hasn't changed, even in the midst of uh, the storm. That's cool. Um, and just kind of as, as, as we wrap up, I know you've got a, a dentist trip, um, I'm going to go to an American dentist for the first time. Isn't that exciting? Who knows that, what it will be like? We were just chatting before, weren't we, about like actually having to pay for... Well, for I just don't know how much it costs, everyone. You may never see me again. I might be working off my debt for my tooth. Who knows? Yeah. Well, your teeth look all right for now. So hopefully none of them will They're fall fine. back They're in the next, the next 10 minutes. But yeah. Um, but yeah, what would be some of your kind of encouragements and, and, and hopes for us as, as G2? Like, obviously, it's been a few years since you were with us, but you've still been tracking and like kind of as you're going to this next season and all the stuff that's going on that we've been talking about, like what would be your kind of encouragement and hope for us? Um, the phrase I've got in my head at the moment generally for the church is that uh, we'd grow small. Um, what I don't mean obviously is that you lose your existing community, but that we grow by celebrating and being um, positively loving the small, because not only legally can you not gather in big crowds, but also um, I just think if we if we've all got the guts to really go get serious with our faith and with other people, then it's in the smalls, it's in your small groups, it's in your little accountability sort of triplets or your prayer times um, where we can grow deeper and then grow out in terms of um, inviting people into smaller settings where you're hosting them well and. So I think I'd love you two to grow small. I'd love to hear stories of little communities multiplying all over the city so that there wasn't anywhere that you lived that somebody didn't know it was good to be a neighbour of yours and they hadn't in some way come into contact with the good news of Jesus through your life, through your prayers and through the friends that you gather around you to help you on that mission. Um, I also think um, G- G2 has always um, just had a gift for... Um, raising young leaders, giving people a voice who may have never thought they could have a voice before and innovating, innovating ways to help more people know that um, God is with them and for them and they can know him. And so I would encourage you, even, even in this time, on the, in the online space, in the way that you um, do friendships, do uni life, um, innovate. You, you must try and be creative because G2 
it's in our DNA to be a creative church and um, try some things. I don't know what else you've got to lose, really. Try some things that might end up being good news for somebody that didn't yet know. Um, and I love the fact, as hard as it will be in some ways, um, I love the fact that you're going online in a big way. Now is the time to invite. Now is the time to invite. And when you are able to have people around your house, you know, eat together, watch, or watch and then eat, or create your own small community, bigger watch party. But uh, the online invitation, it's really smart that you're going public because um, this isn't just for you. Of course, G2 isn't just for you and just for me. So um, share it, share it, share it, and be unapologetic in what you believe. Not because you're forcing it on anybody, of course not, but because you're real and honest and telling the truth. And so if, if you love G2, if you love uh, the good news of God's community together, then um, who are you inviting? Great. Hey, that's so good. There's just so much to unpack there, mate. Like that's <laughs> so much for, for chatting with us. Um, and before your, your teeth fall out and you go to the dentist, <laughs> that's Idris' name, no. Um, can, you just pray, can you just pray for us as we, as we end? Just pray for you too. That would be great. Oh, cool. Oh, Jesus, thank you that we are family. Mm. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live in us and you move amongst us. God, thank you that online encounters is a very normal space for you to meet and to move. So I pray even now that people as they're watching this would sense the peace and presence of God in their hearts and in their homes. And Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness for this funny little idea of a church plant called G2 years ago that's become a fully fledged family that's an open invitation to others. And Father, I pray that each one of us would have the courage to be and share good news in this season, that each of us would work out how to invite people um, to encounter you in the online space, but also in our friendships. God, I pray that um, for the students that are about to show up in York, gosh, Lord, we just ask that you would, um, through crazy, miraculous and brilliantly normal ways, that you would somehow connect these freshers to communities so that they would not feel alone. God, help us to be uh, really great uh, ministers of your presence when it comes to grieving and processing disappointment. But I do pray, God, that the young ones that are about to hit the uni, um, that they would find people of faith and light that can, um, that can remind them that there's more to life than some of the trauma they've been through this year. We really pray for them. Father, thank you uh, for those that leave and have been doing a huge job behind the scenes for ages. <laughs> God, will you sustain them and will you give them vision um, as we move into a brand new season and a brand new opportunity to share Jesus. So bless this church, God. Bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen.